This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, also part of the Fans First Sports Network, along with my dear friend, the one and only, the great Matt Holatic, editor and publisher of thespun.com. Remember, you should make the spun part of your absolute favorites. I look at it every single day. I usually do it right around lunchtime. I just love it because they aggregate all of the biggest stories in all of the world of sports. So one day it may be horse racing. I've seen it. Basically, if it's in there, if it's sports related, the spun has something on it. I really appreciate their coverage. Matt and I have been doing this now for 14 years since. Oh, no, that's not true. Since 2012, when oh, Rutgers yeah. entered the Big Ten. So it's been 11, oh, oh my, 11 years together. And so we're not just colleagues in the media, but we're actual buddies, and I sure love them, appreciate them, and thank you for doing this with us each week. My pleasure. Always a good time getting on here with you. I want to take a quick second, and I want to thank all of our viewers, watchers, readers. Um, Our podcast network has just exponentially grown to literally tens of thousands of people are watching, and we really appreciate that. Now, because we have so many new people We want to kind of lay the foundation of what you can expect for all of us. Every time we put something up at the Las Vegas Raiders Insider, this is what you can expect. We're going to be professionals. We're not dropping F-bombs. We're not, you know, sitting here making fun of fans or telling fans they're stupid because they don't agree with us. One of the things that irritates me the most, and you see it, and Matt, I think you would agree, you see it. It doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on. It doesn't matter where you are on just about any issue. It seems to have invaded all media where whoever has the microphone treats everybody else like they're idiots. I I just don't believe that way. I don't want my news given to me by people I agree with. 
or disagree with. I just want people to give me my news and allow me to use my brain to process what I think. And that's really the approach that we take on this show. If we have opinion, we're going to tell you, hey, this is our opinion. Now, uh, I'm in the building every day, and Matt covers it from a, not the Raiders, but the NFL from a bird's eye perspective. So he knows what's going on around the league. And I and I cover the Raiders. But if you disagree with me, that's not the end of the world. It doesn't hurt our feelings. We don't get mad. And we don't think people who disagree are stupid, although from time to time I've heard some stuff. But I'll get to that later this week in my question and answer. Oh, man, Matt, I got to tell you. Some of the email I got this week and comments on social media about Devontae Adams just made me laugh. Just sometimes you got to laugh, don't you? You do. Keeps the, keeps the little levity keeps you sane. So we're digging in now, and that's what you can expect from us, and we appreciate you. So two weeks ago, we talked about building blocks. And then last week, we talked about role players. We weren't saying these guys were going to be all pros. We talked about a few guys that we expected to possibly be role players. I mean, um, building blocks the next year, Marcus Epps, uh, Robert Spillane. One guy that we talked about very little last week, but you mentioned him, was Philip Dorsett, the wide receiver. I think he's got a shot at becoming a building block. I think he was a great addition by Dave Ziegler. But that was all last week. So today we're getting into guys that, you know, need to make the next step. They're guys that, you know, maybe role players or fighting for a role or whatever, but these are younger players. We're not talking about any of the rookies. We've already done that. So let's get started today, Matt. And the first guy that I want to talk to you about is Curtis Bolton, the linebacker, entering his third year out of Oklahoma. This is a kid that's a thumper. He's been around. And you know this, by the end of year three, you know where a guy's going to be. You, 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 you know. So this is a guy, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's a smart player. He's on a linebacker unit, though, that is that has been ne needing help. Man, you're give, your screen's moving. You're giving me a headache. All right, here we go. Sorry. Needing help. And I think this is a kid, Bolton, that's got to take the next step this year. What are your thoughts? Well, his first two years in the league, we've seen him um, with the Raiders and with Detroit mostly be a role player type, uh, special team or backup. Um, like you said, there's room for – playing time at that linebacker position. The Raiders, we knew going into the offseason, they weren't satisfied. They weren't happy with um, the linebacker spot. That's why they brought in Robert Splane. So I think this will be a big year. You'll see um, what kind of role is there for Curtis Bolton. Uh, does he take the next step and become a rotational player, a guy that you count on defensively? Or is he just a guy that, you know, is part of the roster turnover, turnover, you know, in the summer when – you know, if they, they bring in outside guys to fill out the, the bottom spots or if they, you know, look to upgrade up the position and there's a guy that's already on the team that's his roster spot's expendable, is he one of those guys? So, um, and again, I do agree with you in general. The third year is is make or break. I think usually um, for a higher drafted guy, player, um, you know, a, a major prospect, by the, I think by that second year, into the second year, you really kind of get a sense of what they might be. Um, but the third year is critical for 
um, guys who are trying to hang on in the league or, or try to create bigger roles for themselves. Yeah, I like them. And, uh, but last year, with all of the turmoil at linebacker, the fact he didn't get on the field much tells you something. And I think Drake Thomas, the UDFA from North Carolina State, is going to push him for a, a spot on that roster. I think Thomas is pretty good. Then we come to a guy, Matt, and if there's a disclosure, anybody wondering, I'm looking at my notes here because we got so many guys to talk about. Britton Brown, entering his, it, he's got one year of experience. He was a rookie last year. Um, this is a guy, I'm just, two years now, this is his second year out of UCLA. The kid can do a lot. He's got a lot of, you know, he has speed, he has versatility, he can run, he can catch. But it's a major adjustment to the NFL game. You know, and even at UCLA, which is a great school at a great college, you know, it's not the same as the NFL where you got defensive ends who may not run the 40 as fast as you, but they got lateral quickness. They're able to get out there, get a hand up, you know, out in the flats and, and keep a guy from catching a ball. To me, I think the lights were really bright for him last year. And that's not a slam. Another good kid. But I think, you know, I I I, I think he's going to end up on the practice squad. But this is a kid, again, year two. So he's not in year three yet. But he, he's in year two. But if, if he wants to get a year three, he's going to have to show a little bit more. Especially in a, a crowded running back room. You know, obviously we all know about Josh Jacobs. But behind him, the Raiders have two vets in Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden. Uh, where you, We talked about them last week. You know what you're getting with them. You know you can rely on them for the roles that they fill. And Britton Brown is behind uh, Zamir White as well, who... I know the Raiders had some high hopes for when they took him in the fourth round out of Georgia last year. So now you're looking at a guy who's RB5 on the depth chart, just trying to find his way onto the roster. And I think more than likely, like you said, unless there's an injury or two in camp um, or he really, really impresses to the point where you can't keep him uh, away, I think he's more likely destined to start the year on the practice squad because I just don't see him leapfrogging those proven commodities ahead of him, uh, plus a guy in Zamir White who I think the Raiders really want to find out what they have in him this year, uh, especially if Josh Jacobs isn't around long term because you want to see if he's a potential uh, key contributor, building block at the running back spot. The next guy intrigues me from Florida International, Ike Brown, the corner. Um, obviously, he didn't have the greatest level of competition. I don't think he had the greatest level of coaching. This is a guy that, I mean, I'm I'm not pretending he that I think he's going to make the roster. I don't, but I think he makes the 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 practice squad. And this is a kid that Matt. There's enough raw ability there. I think he's got a shot in this league. I I like him, but he's a guy we got to see more from. Sure, especially when you consider they brought the Raiders brought in multiple guys at the cornerback spot this offseason. That's somewhere position they really tried to upgrade um and you know that you know with duke shelley and and david long and brandon face on and and nate hobbs and amik robertson there's a lot of guys to, to have to jump over there uh to beat out for a roster spot but like you said when you have raw talent um when you have some physical ability that's the type of thing that coaches will look to keep around and try to mold and see what they can come up with down the line with you um, 
and you can never have enough corner depth in the NFL uh, and especially in the AFC West where you have Mahomes and Herbert and the Broncos are hoping for a bounce back year from Russell Wilson. Adam Butler's a kid out of Vanderbilt. He's going into his fifth year. Defense alignment. Again, this is a guy that flashes, and then you'll see some, you know, few plays. You're like, where is he? You know, did he disappear? But he's a guy that just has enough flashes that he's intriguing. He he's um man, I really want to say something, but I probably shouldn't. So not about him, just as an example. But you you just see him. This is a guy with those flashes. And to be in the league four years, wanting to get that vested fifth year, it is so vitally important for him to put a lot more flashes than gaps. Your talk, your your thoughts on on Butler. And he plays a spot defensive tackle, which again, the Raiders were looking to make some changes and upgrade at in the offseason. You know, they have Tillery and Bilal Nichols, uh, as their projected starters, they brought in Byron Young. Who's going to be, you know, the, the fourth and fifth interior defensive lineman there? Um, Adam Butler is one of the guys competing for all spots to try to become a consistent contributor. You also have a couple of 2022 draftees who I'm sure we'll get into uh, down the road to, to today. Uh, he's in the mix with those guys and Byron Young to uh, – to be a rotational defensive tackle. And that those are critical players on your team. You need those big bodies to give your starters rest and hope that the level of dro the drop-off isn't too steep um, when they're in the game because that's a problem. Darian Butler's a kid. He's entering year two, linebacker. Again, like him. He shows some of that flash. He'll show you some things. I think he's from Arizona State. I think the um, – a lot of these young guys, we're going to use the term, I think the lights were really bright. And what we mean by that is not that they're stupid at all. But you get to the NFL, I mean, it's a whole different world when you're a running back and all of a sudden there's a Max Crosby who nobody in your career has ever caught you from behind. And these are defense alignment catching you from behind. I, I will never forget one time Calvin Johnson and I, uh, we're having a sandwich together and we were talking and I was asking him about the adjustment and he said, I've never been caught. And he goes, I'm fast now, so I don't expect to get caught. He goes, but now if I'm running laterally or if I'm cutting, those defensive linemen are having me on a, on, on a straight line. He said, they're going to catch me. I'm not used to that. And, and again, I think the lights are a little bit big for Darian out of Arizona State, but I think the guy has promise. Again, I think he ends up on the practice squad, but this is a guy I, I, I really believe in. And when we talk about guys like him and Curtis Bolton, those guys that are fringe roster spots at linebacker, a lot of it always comes down to can they contribute on special teams? Because you know the, the quickest way to contribute as a mm. young free agent, young guy coming into the league, is to find your niche on special teams. Um, again, the starters seem to be pretty well established. It's going to be Robert Spillane, probably going to be you know him and Divine Diablo as the, the two main guys in linebacker. Who steps up behind him? Is it Gary Butler? Is it Amari Bernie, a rookie? Is it Curtis Bolton? Who who fills those roles behind them? Is it somebody the Raiders don't have yet that they sign in the summer? It could be. Um, don't forget Drake Thomas. 
Drake Thomas, too, you mentioned from the North Carolina State, the undrafted free agent. So uh, those guys are all kind of fighting it out for those final roster spots or they're going to be on the practice squad and, and, and kind of be around if they're needed for depth purposes. And special teams will be critical for them. Matthew Butler's the next kid. He's entering his sophomore campaign out of Tennessee. Um, I was disappointed in him last year. There were games he didn't even dress. Um, and the Raiders had huge need at defensive tackle, and they didn't dress. Now, I want to be super careful because I think he's a good kid. I'm not attacking him as a human being, but super disappointing. I think the lights were big for him, which is a little bit shocking coming from Tennessee. I think um, that was a surprise to me. But I think football needs to become more important in his life. And um, this is one of those young men that had a lot of talent and probably his whole life. Um, he was always one of the most talented guys on the field and he gets the NFL and you were not only, not only one of the most talented, there were games. We don't even want you to dress. Yeah. We're paying you don't dress. Now that should attack his pride. We're going to learn a lot about him because they went out and got two rookies and Jade Nesta silver or Nesta Jade silver, excuse me. And Byron young, who I think are both making the 53 and to, for, for especially Nesta, for him to make the 53, it means there's going to be some guys like Matthew Butler that don't make it. I'm going to be watching him closely early in mini camps because I want to watch his. I mean, has he, this is a pride year for him. Again, not attacking, attacking his character as a human being. But when you're picked and you're told, yeah, we don't even want to dress you at a place of huge need. That should send you a warning sign. And then they go draft two guys. Well, they draft, yeah, draft two guys at your position. Will you talk about him, please? Sure. And I think that, again, what we, we said, that they have their established starters at the D tackle spot. And you know, Byron Young is making the roster as a rookie, at the very least, as a third round pick. Uh, you said you believe Nesta J. Silvera makes it as well. So that's four D tackles right there if that comes to fruition. Um, that leaves guys like Matthew Butler, Adam Butler, Neil Farrell fighting for one of those last spots, or maybe two spots, but probably only one at the D tackle spot. So, and again, those are two guys who are, you know, Adam Butler's in his fifth year in the league. Farrell and Matthew Butler are going into their second year. They were draft picks who didn't have huge contributions as rookies. So it really becomes about, you know, like you said, how bad do you want it? And, you know, how much are you willing to fight for it? Because I think the guy that flashes the most and is the most consistent has the obvious inside track to a roster spot there. But it's not going to be easy. No. And let's go right to Neil Farrell, because this is a kid out of LSU year two, just like Matthew Butler. Um, I saw some Raider fans saying, oh, geez, Byron Young is them 2.0. Not true at all. It's, they're not even in the same class. But Neil Farrell... A lot like Matthew Butler, I, I like Byron Young. Excuse me, they were comparing him to Byron Young, and it, there is no comparison. But Neil Farrell, another guy I, coming from LSU, I didn't expect the lights to be so big. I think a guy that probably was always one of the best players, so maybe didn't have to do everything it takes to get on the field. But again, another guy, yeah, our worst positions defensive line, but we don't even want you to dress. Pride time for him right now. 
this is coming in saying, man, this is huge. Talk about Neil Farrell, please. Sure. And when you're drafting any player in the fourth round, you're uh, at any position, you're envisioning them um, eventually becoming a contributor for you, uh, whether it's as a starter, whether it's as a trusted backup, you're seeing them play a role. And we see a lot of times defensive tackles, you know, you obviously have your dudes that are, you know, top front end first round guys, but you see teams find starters, early starters, in the middle rounds, third, fourth round. Um, I think that's what the Raiders are hoping for with Byron Young. Um, they did not find that last year with Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell. Maybe the light goes on for them, one of those guys in year two. But again, it shows you how quickly you have to adjust the NFL and how, you know, it's a business. Like, you're not getting much of a chance to acclimate yourself because the Raiders just went out and drafted two more guys at the, at that, those positions this year to fill, you know, to, to, for competition. So it's the best man going to win. And I think this will be a big year because, you know, it, it either Neil Farrell, he's a guy that either establishes himself with the Raiders as somebody who's a contributor and they can keep around for a couple of years, or now you're going towards journeyman status where you might get passed around the league a little bit if you don't make the 53-man roster in year two. I was talking to a Raider over the weekend, a current Raider, and just visiting, and uh, I was stunned when he mentioned to me, he goes, I, I think there's a huge upgrade. And he was naming several positions on the team just where he he feels like, man, I think we're better here. I think we're better here. I think we're better here just because of competition. Competition is what makes a good roster. I, I think sometimes, and again, we're not speaking down to fans, but I think sometimes fans – They'll say, well, this guy's a nobody. Why are we bringing in this guy? Well, because there's a lot of good guys. And if the more there are, competition makes everything better. You know, I'm I'm a sold out free market capitalist. And I think competition makes everything better for everybody all the time. Um, I want to get into a guy now that it's probably not fair to have him on this list. We probably should have had him on a role player. But when you're the fourth or fifth guy, I think you have to be here. It's DeAndre Carter. He's entering his sixth season from Sacramento State. I think he's making the roster. He, he's, he's a great receiver. He's a great special teams guy. He just does so much. He's so versatile. This is the quintessential um, <clears throat> Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels type guy. Just can do a million things. He's a Swiss Army knife. He may not be great at all, but he's good at all. And I, I used the term earlier. I said he's a great receiver. I meant really he's he's a really solid receiver, solid special teams. I think that's what makes him great, DeAndre Carter. Well, I think you saw that even uh, on a Chargers team that had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as their their top two wideouts, that he was able to carve out a role and become a trusted uh, playmaker type in that role for uh, Justin Herbert. I think that's kind of what the Raiders are looking for him to do again this year. And again, you know, we're talking about that slot could be opening up, you know, pretty soon. If you're, if your prediction, which you've been steadfast about is that they're going to trade Hunter Renfro post June 1st, DeAndre Carter could end up playing a pretty big role. Uh, may end up being a starter 
uh, in that, that slot there. He's been around the league, uh, came into his own with the Chargers after, you know, playing with Houston and Washington and, and bouncing around. I think he's a solid bet. I think he fits what they want to do there. And, again, in the, the McDaniels offense, the slot receiver always has a big role. So I think he's going to be a, a guy who might surprise. Everybody knows about Demonte Adams. And, obviously, Jacoby Myers is the big offseason signing to be your number two. But you need a third guy to step up. You have to have three reliable wideouts in the NFL these days. It's it's mandatory. And I think looking at his competition, uh, assuming Hunter Rempo's traded and they needed a third guy, slot guy, um, you know, I, I give him the edge to step up over, you know, Trey Tucker, who's a rookie, and – over guys like Philip Dorsett, Keelan Cole, who are vets, but I like Carter's upside better than those guys. Yeah, I do too. I think he's going to be a solid number three for the Raiders. I think he's also going to get pushed by Trey Tucker, the rookie. I think he's. I think that kid's way underrated. And Philip Dorsett, man, we can't forget about him. It, it's it's a loaded wide receiver room. Um, then we come to a guy that intrigues me, and I. I, I Chase Garbers, he's coming into his, you know, last year you didn't see a whole lot of him. Obviously, he was a rookie and a quarterback. I think he's going to fight and compete to make the practice squad. I don't think there's any shot he makes the the, the team, but he, I think he gets on that practice squad. He's just a scrappy kid. He just, just scrappy. He just got a little bit of fight in him. Um, I'll tell you a great story. Bo Schembechler, the great Michigan coach, one time said to me, I look for a kid that's just got fight in him. And he and, and he used to say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of, uh, of the uh, fight in the dog. And, and Bo looked for that in guys. I'm not a Michigan Wolverine fan, but I certainly respect the heck out of Bo Schembechler. Herbert's just got that little bit of fight. I'm not saying he's great, but that's interesting as he competes. That maybe down the road there's a chance this guy could become something in the NFL. What are your thoughts on Garbers? Yeah, again, you know, when you have undrafted quarterbacks like that coming into the league, <clears throat> you know coming in what your future looks like, what your role is going to be. You're not going to be the starter um, unless you really develop or some things go wrong um, with injuries. But you're a guy that's going to try to bring the intangibles, bring that competitiveness, push your teammates to the position, run the offense, do what's asked of you when you get the opportunities in practice and in training camp. And you can stick around a while in the NFL as a QB3 type or a practice squad quarterback. So, again, you know, I expect – obviously, we know, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. Brian Hoyer is the number two Um I'm expecting that you project Aiden O'Connell to keep three quarterbacks. Is that what you're saying for your 53? Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, if they keep three, they'll probably have one more guy on their practice squad. Chase Garbers has the inside track to that. Um, and listen, there's worse places to be than, you know, getting work in the, as a practice squad quarterback in the NFL. Uh, there's worse jobs to have. Especially with a Josh McDaniels, where even though Raider Nation has not embraced Josh, Around the NFL, they have, and that that will say a lot to people. Next, I want to talk to you about a guy I really like. The seventh year out of Oregon, I think, but it's time for him to make a step. Heronis Grasso, 
this is a guy I don't have him uh, making the 53, which my 53 man prediction uh, rolled out this morning at nine Eastern. But I, this is a guy I really like. I know that they like him. They like him. This is a guy, a little bit of versatility in there. I, I think, you know, when you've got an undrafted free agent like McClendon Curtis, who I'm projecting to make the team, and you've got some other guys in there that get, go get Greg Van Roten, who I think was a great pickup. We're going to talk about him in a minute. But um, when you've got those guys, it's just a numbers game now because he's a seventh-year guy, and you know veterans have a certain minimum, and he's going to make a lot more than McClendon Curtis. So then you got to look at, okay, because a lot of people, again, fans don't think about, why would we let this guy go and keep this guy? Well, sometimes it's about numbers. Okay, if they're close. If a guy is a 70 making $2.5 million, and the guy you got brave, that there is a 67 making 500000 Yeah, you take the 67 because it's a salary cap game as well. But he's a guy I like him personally a lot. What a terrific human being. And I like his game. But this is a guy that is this is critical for him now. I mean, you're year seven. You've stuck around. You want to make this team. We need to see more from you. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, first of all, I was thinking that if he does make the roster, I think there should be some type of WNBA trade where he can get his fiance Sabrina and Eskew from New York to come to Vegas and they Vegas can send Kelsey Plum to New York to be with Darren Waller. They play the same position and it might make sense from a, a family standpoint. <laughs> but um, yeah, see, that's why the spun is the spun. Cause you knew that about the WNBA. I did. And no, no, a little bit about a lot. Um, it is again, you know, when you look at guys, depth pieces on your own line, you're looking at guys that have experience, um, you know, he's again his seventh year in the league. He's had some starring experience with the Bears, uh, was with the Niners, a couple of the ro- other teams. So he's bounced around. You know, you know, you have a guy who knows his way around the NFL. Um, there's a bunch, there's a few different vets that the Raiders have fighting it out for uh, roster spots uh, right now in the interior line. And again, that seems to be a, a place in the NFL where we see some late movement um, in training camps where one team's cut uh, is another team's solid depth guy. So you'll see some roster churning uh, along the interior op- offensive and defensive lines in, in the summer. So it'll be interesting to see if he survives that and becomes the backup center to start the year uh, or if he, you know, is, is moves on someplace else. But um Again, like you said, the guy brings a lot of experience, brings the intangibles to the table, has that, you know, institutional knowledge of being in the NFL for a long time. Tyler Hall's a kid out of Wyoming his third year. He's a corner. I'm liking him. I think he's going to be battling to make that roster. I I, I do. I like this kid. What are your thoughts on Tyler Hall? We got to speed up a little bit. Well, I mean, again, you're talking about, a spot that there's a lot of competition for the Raiders. You know, you need to keep usually six, seven cornerbacks on your active roster. They brought in some, some guys, they drafted a couple of guys recently. Um, when we talked about some of the other fringe corners on the roster earlier in the, in the program, he's one of the guys uh, that's in that mix too. Can he do enough? Can he show enough to, to be relied upon 
Uh, if you need him in a game, uh, does he cover the role on special teams? Things like that. Those are the questions that's got to be answered about him. Another guy I really like entering year four from Wake Forest, Jesper Horstead, the tight end. Now, I think he's going to be battling O.J. Howard for the third tight end spot. I'm gonna, I think Howard gets it. But Howard is a guy that has all of the God-given gifts that you just can't you just can't teach, you just can't build in a weight room. But he's always injured. Again, another great guy. Nobody's attacking his character. We're not calling him a wimp. It's just he's had bad luck with injuries. And so even though I got Jesper uh, as that fourth guy, so that'll put him out of the 53, man. This is a guy that I they like him. He's super smart. Kid went to Princeton. Dear God. Mm. And and but he's a guy that if he made the 53, man, it's going to be pushing O.J. Howard out. But I think he's battling. I like Jesper Horstead. I feel I've been to Princeton's campus a few times in, in New Jersey, and you feel smarter just walking on campus, or maybe you feel dumber. I guess I don't know. I guess it depends. But um, I would yeah. feel dumber. <laughs> I don't. I, hey, I I felt the same way sometimes. But listen, you, like you said, we know Austin Hooper and Michael Mayer are locked into those top two spots. OJ Howard has the experience, the physical tools, um, and the upside to be a good enough tight end three but again you don't know how his health's going to play out so if you're Jesper Horsted you're hoping that um, not that you want to see a guy get injured but you're hoping maybe that he is sidelined a little bit in camp or is limited by injuries and you're out there showing what you can do you have the experience in the offense playing last year um, and, and you carve out a role there and you make the 53 man as the number three tight end next guy and he's in the 11th year in the league. So this may shock you that we're talking about him here. John Jenkins from Georgia, defensive tackle, 360 pounds. That'll come down in the heat of Vegas. But this guy, you know, we talked about going into the draft, the Raiders needed interior pressure um, in the rushing game. This guy is an absolute space eater. Um, I talked about um, um, Byron Young. And I explained that he has a little bit of Halati Nada. Mm -hmm. Now, I know he's not the size of Halati Nada. They have a different game. But what I was trying to explain is that, like Halati, the way Byron moves, you've got to put two guys on him. That's what a space eater is. This guy is the size of a space eater, 360 pounds. So he's not going to end up with 10 tackles and 10 sacks in a game. But what he does is is require the offense to put so much attention on him and open stuff up for Robert Spillane, and that's where Spillane really shines, um, where Divine Diablo and others. I like Jenkins. I think he makes the 53-man. I think there's going to be a push. He's going to be pushed in year 11 because, you know, the veterans make good chunk of change and there's some cheaper guys. But I think he makes it. Your thoughts on John Jenkins? Well, he's a guy who, even in year 10 last year, played 16 games. So he had a contributing role for the Dolphins. So it's not that, you know, he's a, a, a bit part-time player or somebody who, you know, was barely seeing the field. So, again, the Raiders have had an immense need at D-tackle uh, for the last couple of years, and they're trying to fill it. What The strategy that they took this year was let's bring in as many guys as possible, add competition to the mix, 
um, and, and see who comes out. And John Jenkins, where he has the advantage is not just in his size, but also in his experience of being around the league for so long and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, being a, a key contributor and, and being a trusted guy for so many different teams. Um, I think he's got a good chance to make the roster. I do. I think when you look beyond the first couple of guys at D tackle and a guy like Byron Young, who's going to make the 53 and is going to be counted on as a rookie, there's a lot of unsettled stuff there. There's a lot of spots that are up for grabs. And I think he's got a, a good shot at, at season one. Yeah, I agree with you. Next, I want to talk about uh, Jaquan Johnson, the safety entering year five out of Miami. He's a hurricane. Uh, this is a guy. He's been around the league. He's got the talent. Now it's time for him to start showing. Now it's time for him to, you know, to to start making those ooh-ah moments that are more than the lapses. He'll make a great play, then there's a lapse. Make a play, there's a lapse. He's got consistency, I think, is what a lot of guys on this list have to deal with. He's a guy who saw his role increase uh, year after year with the Bills, where he went from a a backup to, you know, part-time starter, started, I think, three or four games last year. Um, So they were trusting him a little bit more. Um, Again, safety is another spot where the Raiders are trying to revamp some things and We've talked about how they're trying to, to build, rebuild that position. What kind of role is there for him? Um, you know, does he make, does he surprise everybody and and, and become, you know, the third safety? Um, not surprise everybody, but does he win that role as the third safety? Because, you know, it looks like Marcus Epps, Javon Morey, they're locked in as the starters. Chris Smith, fifth-round pick, is going to have a, a spot in the roster, too. Who gets, you know, the third safety spot? There is it Roderick Teamer? Is it Jaquan Johnson? And that's a key. That's a very, very big role on any NFL team. You know, the third safety now is playing almost starters reps for a lot of teams. So if he's able to take another step forward uh, and contribute in year five, that's a big help for the Raiders. Next kid entering his third year out of Buffalo. I really like him. I think the Raiders uh, defensive line coach, who's no longer here, so we're not going to bury him. Made huge mistakes last year. When Chandler Jones was not playing well, this kid needed more reps. He earned more reps. He didn't get more. Um, I thought that was a travesty. I'm big on Malcolm Coons. I like him. He's long. He can bend. Um, This guy can just do a lot. I think he's got a great opportunity. He's not taking reps from Tyree Wilson unless Tyree isn't, you know, for some reason isn't ready or whatever. But – Chandler Jones starts slow, and for whatever reason, Tyree's not ready to get up there. This kid's got to get a look. I'm a huge Malcolm Coons guy. Your thoughts on Coons? New York guy from out this way. Um, again, you, we talked about earlier, th- year three is a critical year for um, anybody in the NFL. This was a kid who was a third-round pick. And, you know, I think they knew he needed some development when he came into the league, but they believed in his physical abilities, physical talents. You know, if you don't show much by your third year or in your third year, probably doesn't bode well for your future. So this is a critical do or die, make or break season for him uh, with the Raiders. And I think uh, if he's up to the task, there's definitely a role for him as a pass rusher on this team. Totally agree with you. All right, now we go to a guy. And listen, I'm a Spartan. Okay, 
Y'all know what I think about Michigan because it's the rivalry. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but this is a kid I got to watch his entire time in college. He's a great player. I really like him, but he's consistency is the name of the net game now. David Long from Michigan entering his fifth year. I like this kid. Again, that was one of, you know, the big signings for the for the Raiders this offseason. I think he he did a tremendous job uh, with the Rams the last couple of years. Really underrated cornerback mm-hmm. uh, around the league when he's playing at, at his best. I think that, you know, they were able to get him the price they were able to get him at makes a, it's a, a could be a steal. Yeah. So if he's healthy, he's out there, he's, he's playing, he's, he could be a major contributor. And I think they're looking at him to be one of the starters at, at corner. And I think it's a role that he, he should be able to fill well. This next kid I love, I'm all in on him. I was so glad they finally started getting him reps because he earned them and he delivered second year player. Luke Masterson, a UDFA out of Wake Forest. Man, I love this kid. I think you put him number two behind Spillane on your depth chart and just leave him alone and let the kid grow. I love his attitude. Now, let me tell you this. I'm quick to mention, hey, these guys are good character guys because sometimes when people hear us as talking heads breaking down players, and I'm there in the building, you know, watching practice every day, um, I do that because I think it's important that people remember these are people too. But Luke Masterson is not just a great kid. His teammates love him. Um, Last year, three or four times in press conferences, I'm asking the coaches, hey, where's Luke Masterson going to get some reps? Hey, what about Luke Masterson? And the reason was I had starters asking me, man, when are they going to give him more reps? This kid's earning it. He's a baller. He's a worker. So I'm – my excitement on Masterson is what I see when he plays, but also aided by what his teammates tell me about him. I, I'm a big fan of Luke Masterson. Your thoughts? He was able to make an impact, a pretty sizable impact as a rookie free agent, un, you know, undrafted. Played in all 17 games, started seven, 59 tackles as a rookie. Um, that's a guy that that showed right away that he can contribute uh, in the NFL. Now, obviously – the Raiders felt like they wanted a more established veteran guy at that spot. So they went out and got Robert Spillane. But you still need to have some depth at linebacker. You still need to be able to go and, you know, where when guys come out of the game or if there's an injury, if there's something, you need to be able to go to that second unit and know that the drop-off isn't going to be too severe. This kid keeps developing, whether he is in the game for Spillane or Devon Diablo. I don't think there will be that much of a job off. I think you could count on him to be a solid player, a solid presence in the middle of your defense uh, because he showed it in year one coming in without being drafted and coming in, you know, without a ton of experience. And what I like is that versatility. You can move him to right. a Will or a Sam also. That versatility, man, that is the new Raider way. The next guy I am big on. And it's a, a guy coming in out, out of TCU, his second year. I'm uh, going into his third year, excuse me. And I, Trayvon Morig. And I want to talk about him because after his rookie year, and you've known me for a long time, I got a lot of relationships around the NFL. And I talk to those people on a regular basis to get their thoughts on teams that I'm covering. 
And I reached out to several executives that weren't Raiders, and I said, give me a guy on this roster that you think could become a pro bowler this year and would surprise some people. And so I wrote and predicted. I I fully it. I own it when I miss it. I said, Trayvon Morig. <clears throat> the You had two guys last year, and we already talked about Nate Hobbs previously. It's why we're not talking about him today. Nate Hobbs had a great rookie season like Morig. And then last year, the, the Raiders tried to move him to the outside where he's not an outside corner. He's an inside slot guy. And when there, he's one of the stars in the, in the NFL. So leave Nate Hobbs there. Then you had Trayvon Morick, who was awesome his rookie year. And then last year was terrible. And I know there were a lot of sharks at NFL teams swimming in the water saying, are they going to let Morick go? To me, it was on coaching. When you got one guy performing bad, that can be on the guy. When you got two who are going backwards in their sophomore season, that's on coaching. Now, obviously, Josh McDaniels doesn't agree with me. He kept his coaches, which is fine. It's his staff. If he believes in them, he should. But I think he's got to get Hobbs back to the inside, and they got to get Morrig on track. But I believe in this kid. All the tools, everything there is, great attitude, hard worker. To me, this is a kid. There needs to be more, and I'm putting this squarely on the staff last year. Your thoughts? He again, he's a guy who second-round pick in 2021 was highly regarded in that class. Um, had That's some the number one safety. About, yes, with, some people were talking about him as being a potential first-round pick, um, and he showed a lot as a rookie. And then I, I agree with you. Whenever a player takes a step back in year two, you left. You're kind of wondering, okay. Did he sort of overachieve as a rookie? Um, and this is now more of what you can expect from him. Is it something, you know, was there an injury-related uh, issue? Was there something with coaching or the way he was utilized and deployed? That's what the Raiders have to figure out because this is a kid that he should be a building block. When you take a guy who's the number one safety in his draft class, take him in the second round, you're expecting him to not just play out his four years there and say goodbye, you're expecting to sign him to a second contract for him to be a, a key contributor mm -hmm. to your defense, a mainstay for, you know, seven, eight years. So I think this is, again, a critical year three. We've It's not that we haven't seen anything from Trevon Moore. We saw a lot of positive things from him as a rookie. But now it's like, which player are you going to be? Are you going to be the guy that gave uh, a lot of hope as a rookie, uh, showed a lot of promise, or are you going to be the guy that took a step back in your second season uh, and now you're looking at someone who's going to be replaced uh, if that's the case again in 2023. Uh, they're probably going to look – if they don't replace him in season, they'll probably look to replace him for 2024. So it's a critical year for him, and I think he's a guy that you, you have to have your eye on if you're a Raider fan. And to me, this is a place where Josh McDaniels' staff has to step up. The kid's put in the tape out there that he can perform. So with when you have two guys with proven tape that they can perform who go backwards, that's on your staff. And to me, that that's a big one. Let's talk about Duke Shelley. This mm -hmm. is a guy that comes to the Raiders in his first year out of Kansas State. I think he's I think he's in a battle to make this roster. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's gonna make I, I think he's in a battle. I like him. Good player, but he's going to have to show a lot in camp. This is going to be interesting for me. Your thoughts on Duke Shelley? Doesn't really have the the classic kind of build you're looking for in an outside corner. He's a little on the small side, but you know he's a tough 
competitor come from from Minnesota where he played a lot last year, um, was starting by the end of the year, started in their playoff game. Um, again, you know, the, the Raiders, they've made it a point to target cornerback in the offseason, uh, in free agency. We saw that. And also with Jacoby Bennett in the draft. So this is a guy, they're not bringing him in, you know, to just as a camp body. They're bringing him in to play a role, to hopefully start if all goes well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he battles uh, with some of the other guys in the position because I think that David Long, as long as he's healthy, is locked into a starting role at one outside corner. Uh, Duke Shelley is probably the favorite, you would think, at the other, but, you know, there's some other people that we've talked about that are, are competing. Don't forget Brandon Faison. Brandon Faison, yes. He's the, the one. It's probably between those two guys, you would think. Yeah, at I least think it's going to be Faison and Long. I think Jacorian Bennett's going to be pushed, and I think Nate will be your slot guy. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's not a whole lot of spots left. It's That's gonna be true. Fun, I mean, it? a lot of competition. You know, this is a big competition here, like you said, because you're trying to weed out who's going to be part of your team uh, moving forward, who you can count on when you're in the middle of a, a retool or a rebuild that the Raiders are in. I want to talk to you about a guy. I'm trying to think how I want to word this to you here, but he is a six-year guy out of Bama, a wide receiver. He has proven his value in the NFL in special teams. He's a guy, I don't see him making the roster, but man, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. But this Cam Sims, just, just, man, that's it. You, we, okay, we know Hunter Renfro's on the roster. I'm not reporting any trade is imminent. I'm just saying I expect him to be traded sometime after June 1st. That said, let's just take Hunter out of the equation. Devontae, Jacoby, Jacoby, not Jacoby, Jacoby, DeAndre Carter, Trey Tucker, Philip Dorsett. I mean, Cam Sims. I mean, there just is a plethora of talent on this team but this is a guy again you, you wouldn't surprise you made the roster but man show me a little bit more your thoughts well he's one of those get off the bus guys when you know when yeah. you go you see a team that get off the bus you're like i'll take him i'll take that dude he's 6'5 220 looks the part of a stud wide receiver started to show some flashes uh, especially in 2020 with Washington. I think he started 10 or 11 games there. Um, that was his best season as a pro, and they they won the NFC East. So it's a guy who you know what you're getting when he's out, you know, when he's um, on the field. He was overshadowed in college at Bama because Bama just was so loaded at receiver, and now he's kind of been overshadowed in the NFL. But, you, again, Got that size, which you can't teach. Got that athleticism. Has the special team experience. All that stuff is big when you're trying to make a roster. And, I, again, I think that he's battling for that, you know, wide receiver five, wide receiver six spot uh, on the team. Uh, that might give him an edge. DJ Turner, this kid out of Pittsburgh. Man, Matt, I just like him. He sticks around. This is another guy. Wide receiver. I don't think he makes a team. I think he ends up on the practice squad. But, man, this kid just sticks around. He's another one. Again, you know, these are the type of guys that you need to have 
in in your your depth behind you um behind your your main guys for camp for offseason stuff was with the team last year so he has that experience in the system uh again I don't I don't anticipate him making the roster just looking at the numbers crunch but you know he's he's seems to be a good fit for a practice squad uh depth guy to, if you have to call him up if you have to be on the 53 man roster active for some game days you know you know you're not missing out on too much you know you can rely on him in that uh situation Let's talk about a kid, Sam Webb, a UDFA. He's in, <clears throat> excuse me, his second year. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, this is a guy I, I think is going to make the 53. I know that is a huge prediction. I obviously reserve the right because these are my way too early predictions. I want to watch how some of those other guys, but if you're a Duke Shelley coming in or you're one of these other corners, He's getting UDFA money. And so if the play is close, they're going to go with Sam Webb. They liked him last year when he got reps. They liked him. He's a guy I think a lot of people are forgetting. But don't forget him because when you're putting that roster together and you say, okay, this guy's a 70, this guy's a 68, but the guy who's at 70 is making $2.8 million and this UDFA is making five hundred grand. That's $2.3 million of salary cap. That's a huge differential. Sam Webb, your thoughts? I like this kid. I like, you know, he has kind of like that classic newer build for a cornerback. Um, 6'2", 195, long arms, you know, big body on the perimeter. Got a lot of experience as a rookie, 17, well, played in all 17 games, started three. Uh, again, it's it's all about competition. The Raiders brought in multiple guys at the cornerback spots because they are, they're not satisfied with what they had. So now they want to see if what they had can beat out who they brought in or if they're able to upgrade at those, those spots. So I, again, he's one of those guys who, you know, does he make the roster with an impressive training camp? Is he replaced um, by an outside, outside guy at that spot? Does he, get cut is he end up on the practice squad we'll see but competition is the name of the game last one i want to talk to you about and it's one of the free agents that isn't getting a lot of attention is jordan willis seventh year guy out of kansas state <clears throat> i'm going to talk to you why i don't think he's getting a lot of attention matt he's only 260 270 pounds but here's why i like about him he can flex inside in certain packages and play defensive tackle plays that defensive end spot, and then in some, and again, limited, he can slide out and can play a outside linebacker with it not having his hand in the dirt, uh, I or, or even in the dirt. But <clears throat> I just think, <clears throat> excuse me, he presents a lot of options, and we know how much the Raiders love versatility. Him being able to play three spots is why I think he's got a good shot of making the roster. Played on a great defense the last couple of years too with the 49ers. You know he's he's able to carve out a role on, on an elite unit. Um, brings that experience, like you said, versatility, and especially the versatility comes in handy on pass rushing situations because you have Max Crosby, you have Chandler Jones. You're hoping that uh, Tyree Wilson is able to make an impact early uh, as a pass rusher. Having Jordan Willis there to be able to, like you said, kick inside if he has to. 
come off the edge if he has to, uh, has those, you know, he can fill multiple roles, should help him, should help the Raiders' defense. I would think that he makes the 53-man roster and carves out some type of uh, niche for himself uh, on game days. I agree with you. All right, so I released my 53-man roster. Just real quickly, your thoughts. I think all nine draft picks make the 53 and two UDFAs. 11 rookies on a 53-man roster. That tells you the overhaul the Raiders are doing, doesn't it? It does. And again, you know, like you said, it's very early. There could be some a late signing. There could be. Like, there's going to be. Oh, there's, there's going, going to be. be. Yeah, there's going yeah. to be. There's going to be late free agent signings. We There's always, you know, we see teams put out their official 53-man roster right at the end of camp. And within two or three days, a couple of guys at the bottom of the roster have been replaced because of cuts elsewhere. So, you know, it's not going to be – no one gets the entire roster right right now. Um, if you do, you should go right to the nearest casino and, and put a bet down on something uh, in September. But, again, it, I think the overriding point is what you're going for, and that's – there's a lot of change. There's a lot of overhaul. There's a lot of – this is a developmental year to see who is part of the future of the Las Vegas Raiders – I think when you're predicting that many rookies, first-year guys making the team, you're expecting uh, the team, the coaching staff to try to mold those guys into what they want and try to create that, you know, that ground floor, that ground level to establish what they want to build moving forward. Agree. Matt, next week we're going to get into my projected 50 – I mean my projected depth chart. I think that'll be interesting as we look ahead, obviously – Today, you know, we we looked at some other guys. We're also going to look next week at my depth chart. And then as we get out of the mini camps, we'll start looking at the 53 because there's going to be some adjustments there. But great to have you as always, my friend. This is Hondo Carpenter, and he is Matt Holatic from thespun.com. Make it part of your favorites. We are I'm part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Looking at a lot of players. We need to see some more from. We'll see you again real soon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network.